Okay, honestly, I am in a super crazy mood today, so bye. Um, but yeah, hi guys, welcome to Star Girl. <laughs> it's Emma. Um, it's Sunday, May 22nd, and it's currently, wait, let me check. Oh my god, it's currently 90 degrees outside. Ew, it's like, why is it 90 degrees outside and I'm stuffed in here with my headphones on recording this sad little art project? It's like, okay. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. It's a first, like, actually hot weekend of the year. I'm like, I can't believe it. It's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Last year I had this tweet where I was like, oh, in the winter I'm a woman. In the summer I'm a girl. And yeah, that really gets to the bottom of it. It's just like, it's so fun to just be like, or okay, I just feel like when I'm too cold, I want to die. But when I'm too hot, I want to live. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just like, okay, whatever. Just bring it on. Like, anyways. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I said it all. Sunday, May 22, 90 degrees in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Okay. So, buckle up, y'all, because today we are talking about Emily Ratajkowski. And, um, yeah, I, uh, just as a quick little sidebar, I did write an essay about Emrata, like, uh, maybe six months ago. And I forced a lot of you guys to read it. So, thank you for those who did. And, but I promise this episode will not just be me regurgitating. I've... I've been keeping up with the ideas. Okay. Um, oh, but first I do have a few items of housekeeping. Um, one, I have some Addison updates. So um, just coming off of last week's like sentimental Addison episode, she's actually had a great posting week. Like she's on vacation somewhere, some like unnamed beach and she's with some friends. Like all of the pictures she's posted are just like, you know, her in some like animal print bikini, like lying in the surf and like smiling in outdoor shower and like I don't know she just looks so happy and healthy and very just yeah just super free I don't know just even the emojis it's like all rainbow or like mermaid or diamond or like I don't know just it's just like uh, yeah just like really happy to see and um yeah so I know I got a little like big sisterly <laughs> protective of her but I should have just like trusted everything's fine like she just needed summer now she's just fine because you know like some girls look like better in winter and some look better in summer so I think I was just like I just needed to wait for the seasons to change and now like now it's all fine um oh and I also forgot to say last week when I was like giving the rundown of my fave old Addison videos one that you guys definitely need to go watch it's from Halloween 2020 and it's her and Bryce her former boyfriend um and they're dressed up as uh, Harley Quinn and the Joker. If you just type into TikTok Addison Harley Quinn, you'll find it. And they're dancing to Glamorous. And it's just like so cute. Like it's a perfect video. I don't know what else to say. Um, but just go watch. It'll just bring a smile to your face. And yeah, I don't know. It popped back to my head recently. Oh, right. Because I was thinking like, this is pro this is honestly probably where Jack Harlow got the idea to sample Glamorous. Like, but anyways, yeah, this happens every time. I like forget to say one thing and I'm like, damn, do I like... Do I pull out the microphone again and just record and just stuff it on the end? I feel like, no, but whatever. Um, okay, so yeah, just wanted to tie the bow on that. Um, and, oh, and then I also just wanted to say thank you for to everyone who's, like, listening and everyone who's reached out to me with, like, feedback and encouragement. Um, so just, yeah, so I don't know, just very, very sweet of you all, and I, I feel touched and um motivated um yeah you guys can't see but i'm drawing a heart in the air with my pointer fingers um okay all right 
gotta start. Okay, Emrata babe. Where do I even start with you? Um, yeah. I mean, I've thought about Emily Radikowski, aka M Rada, um so much in the past like year-ish because I wrote this essay about her, which I'll talk about. But um, yeah, like in general, okay, so overall, so Emily Radikowski is a model and actress. She has like a swimwear line, she has a book out, she sold an NFT, she's just like average multi hyphenate celebrity chick except she's like the hottest woman in the world and I don't even say this as a matter of personal preference but she just she just is she actually is a freak of nature like um yeah even though her body's like totally natural she just has this cyborgian effect right like she's just like um I mean her lips look insane her tits look insane her ass looks insane and the most insane is her stomach and she's had a baby now and it's still just the most insane stomach and she's only five seven and somehow like the stomach just is like looks so long um anyways so that's who she is I guess just like super super brief rundown like um kind of what when she took off probably what put her on the map initially was when it was like 2013 she was um in the music video to Blurred Lines the Robin Thicke song right there's like since been lots of chatter and that is literally the video that like launched a thousand chips um whatever but um so yeah she like appears like near naked she's kind of like dancing around doing all these kind of like kind of like awkward sexy little things anyways but um yeah uh, I actually rewatched this video like a year ago and she is actually so cute in it like you guys should really rewatch it it's like she actually is pretty awkward um but she's just like bouncing around like holding a tiny goat and like I don't know she she looks kind of vacant but like actually just like in a really good kind of playful way like she actually looks like she's having fun which is not something that you see from Emily Ratajkowski like very often you know um so yeah I don't know she just she just does really have like a cute bouncy presence in it so I think it's worth a rewatch like so that really like just like put her on the map as like a really like an extraordinarily hot up and coming model. And then um, the other thing, I mean, this is kind of minor, but I, at least for me, it was like another like imprint of her in my brain before she like became the celebrity that she is today was, which was when she was in Gone Girl, which I think came out in 2014. Yeah. In 2014. Um, so yeah, in that she plays um, the like mistress to Ben Affleck's character, who is the husband of the main character in that. And that that's like a good, that was a good role for her at that time, just to kind of like <laughs> formally malign her in the public's view. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, so Blurred Lines, Gone Girl, I feel like those were the two biggest kind of like mass market moments for her. And then she just like had a, you know, had a steady like, modeling career like but I don't know I mean yeah just like images of Emily Ratajkowski are everywhere okay yeah we know this I don't need to drag through the history so yeah she just is extremely extremely hot like there's no kind of there's no way to say anything more um and this is this is a good person for me to do coming off of Addison's episode last week where like I mean they're both extremely hot in different ways but like um I think you know as Addison being a character that I'm just like felt immediately really drawn to and supportive of and then like anytime anyone criticized her or tried to like intellectualize her or her beauty further and like kind of you know try to like break it down and I would be like okay just shut up it's just she's hot you know and then to 
turn this to, to kind of like try to turn that framework onto the my feelings about Emily Ratajkowski which like I actually feel like at this point I'm kind of like softened because she's like in a low swing um in her personal PR right now so I'm not like getting so much data that like is driving me nuts but um anyways ju- yeah like I think I catch myself sometimes being like what even is the vibe of her and it's like dude no vibe just she's hot you know so um so yeah I think it's it's a good exercise for me to kind of to try to like analyze whatever's going on with her and from a more objective place when I don't have the um I don't have the kind of like built-in love and care for her that I do for other celebrities who are ruthlessly criticized who I'm just like okay well they're just like hot and awesome SDFU um okay so let's see um okay it actually is so hot in my apartment I had like a little fan next to me all morning just like right there but I can't have a fan with the mic so it is extremely hot um but I think I'll take my slippers off that might help okay yeah and then I guess in the more recent past um she really has kind of asserted this additional like layer of her celebrity persona which is basically just like hot girl intellectual so there was a shift at you know or like a slow building move toward kind of yeah hot girl intellectualism um over the past I don't know whatever five to eight years or something right like she was being more kind of like you know she like endorsed bernie sanders and whatever i don't i can't even like remember all of the even like quasi-political stuff she was doing but i just feel like her persona was like she was making an effort to be like i'm not just a pretty face you know um so which is obviously something that a lot of people do but um i i do think that she wasn't really like easily grouped in with um other kind of people in her industry who could have been natural peers, right? I'm like, I'm always trying, I'm just like, wait, who are even Emily Ratajkowski's friends, you know? Like, um, I think she does kind of stand alone in that way. But, and I, I kind of just like, didn't even really like care about her one way or another. Like, um, yeah, it wasn't like a super big fixation of mine. Um, until she wrote that essay in the cut in September, 2020 called Buying Myself Back. Um, so in this essay, she's talking about the like many different ways she's been exploited throughout her modeling career and, um, yeah, a range, you know, a range of ways that photographers have profited off of her image, um, often without like her consent or knowledge and kind of the apex of the story is she accuses, um, this photographer, Jonathan later of like sexually assaulting her while she was on like an overnight shoot at his, house or studio or something um and then he like many years later sold like a bunch of unpublished polaroids from that night without her consent and like had a show and the essay is kind of like framed around this question of whether or not or to what extent people models emily radikowski can own actually own their own image um but i think that kind of like larger effect of this essay is to kind of like bring attention to um like the powerlessness that she has or feels like despite her beauty um so I guess like the biggest problem that I had with that essay was that it's kind of like collapsing this spectrum of like on one end actual violence and on the other end metaphorical violence into one and kind of just like yeah conflating the two and I think that's like wrong um but then I think that the more like interesting like complicated issue that the 
essay ends up bringing up not so much like in the text itself but like um yeah just kind of as a as a jumping off point for other ideas is kind of this idea of like um how we seek control over our own images and this obsession about figuring out how people see you and uh, whether or not you're trying to like manipulate that just like yeah the the like very universal feeling of um needing to know like just how you're perceived basically um and I think that like for to to make that more specific like I do think that it's that it's like reflective of a period in time where we're we're like girls are like I want to be like respected for my mind and fetishized for my body at once and that's not that those are two incompatible ideas but this kind of like um I don't yeah the way I frame it in the essay is this kind of like collapsing of the relationship between like the artist or the visionary and like the muse or the like vessel um and so right it's not like we're protesting being sexualized or fetishized like there is a huge desire you know made very explicit to be both of these things but it's kind of like now like on our terms and I feel like that's just an interesting space because it's kind of like to a certain extent it's like not even really possible to control or even know what you evoke for someone else right um right and so there's kind of this obsession with like violation and then like reclaiming and um there is a particular obsession with feeling misrepresented and I think that kind of gets on this kind of like slippery sliding scale to you not having the same opinion of me that I have of myself is somehow violating like my truth or you know is in some way like hostile to my existence and so yeah I just think it's like uh I don't know yeah I don't know it's funny like sometimes when you see a caption and someone's like I'm I'm taking back my narrative like was anyone even thinking about you anyways so that was the essay that's what really got me started like thinking about her and um yeah and this piece buying myself back was like New York Magazine's top read story of 2020 and um it got a ton of support and then like a ton of hate as well. But like as a scholar of Emily Radkowski, I think it's safe to put this on the official timeline. <laughs> and then this essay appeared in the book that she published this past fall. I think it came out like November 2021 and it's called My Body. Um, and oh, wait, one thing about that. <laughs> so I was like, I had gotten like uh, an advanced copy of the book from a publisher because I was like thinking about reviewing it and it comes with this little like insert from the publisher that gives kind of like the summary and the like whatever all the just like basic publishing information and then like a list of like blurbs from famous people who are recommending the book and then like that section header um, the title of the book my body was not italicized so it just said advanced praise for my body and I just it's like can I get some advanced praise for my body um anyways uh yeah okay so this book is maybe there's like 12 essays or thing and they're all kind of like um you know, all, all specific stories from throughout her life. And she's basically doing this kind of like, how do I reconcile all these kind of like, uh, you know, seemingly incompatible like themes or impulses. And a lot of them are like, honestly, really like, honestly important themes, right? She's talking about like beauty, vanity, wanting to be seen as beautiful, wanting to be seen as smart, wanting to be skinnier, figuring out her relationship to the internet, um, figuring out who she can trust, like, you know what does empowerment look like and then she does have a chapter on motherhood because she had a baby about a year ago so she's talking about that both from the like physical and existential um kind of 
changes and realizations that she went through um so yeah i don't know it's like these are all like when i list them out i'm like think about these all the time interested in all of them but like yeah the book's not that the book isn't good because i don't know just yeah the what she's able to mine is just like doesn't end up doesn't end up being interesting at all um so i read it because i had written this essay about her and i was like okay gotta gotta get closer to the source um and then we were kind of talking about these themes like in my book club and then we we're like should we read it since like we're all interested in talking about these things and it's like no we can just have a conversation don't need to read the book um so yeah kind of like not worth engaging with the text or arguments themselves because it's just like i don't know just pretty simplistic and like yeah it's not even like convincingly neurotic enough to be like for her to seem like a really interesting character you know um but the act of writing it and just like these themes in and of themselves are <laughs> interesting to analyze, right? So um, yeah, I think like to kind of tie in what I was just explaining about that essay I had written about her and this kind of like overreach of um, like personal narration and control um, with something I was talking about last week with Addison is just kind of like, oh, I don't know, I want to build on this idea of feminine excess um, and when I was spending a lot of time like a year to six months ago thinking about Emily Ratajkowski, I was, um, I kept being drawn to this idea of, of gluttony. It's like, it's giving bottomless pit. No, it's like so mean, but, um, no, I, I do think that it is gluttonous to demand control over how people see you. Um, I mean, first of all, I think it's like gluttonous to demand to be seen as an intellectual, like let other people decide. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think whether you're trying to prove like your beauty or your intelligence or your whatever, all of this over narrating, over contextualizing, explaining why something is the way it is, how it's interacting with things like, you know, like doing this like splice and dice to explain how you are interacting with all of these different cultural signifiers that make you blah, 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 you know it's just like um and the way it's worn out or interacting with systems of power or oppression or even just like canon like it's exhausting and it ultimately just detracts from the experience right like i think like like maybe we would have come to the conclusion that emily radikowski had some interesting things to say had she not been like announcing to us so loudly that she has something interesting to say you know what I mean like it, in this essay that I wrote I have this line where I say like beauty that over announces itself belies its own self-evidence and I think that this is true and the word beauty can be subbed out for anything like anything that's over announcing itself over narrating it demanding control of itself is like actually detracts from the point that's trying to be made you know like it, it actually does it it weakens the point yeah, she yeah, she's just like constantly trying to anticipate her own criticism in a way that ends up making her less likable. Um because she won't let you like project onto her or at the very least she needs to be like in on the projection or control it in some way. Um and and I feel like as a member of the public like irritated by this in her and then I simultaneously like as a person I totally understand even though like this impulse to control how people see you is very um understandable like I don't know I feel like I've struggled so much with this in my life like just being so like nosy honestly just demanding to know how people 
perceive me you know just like dragging my boyfriends through the mud like what is my vibe what do I evoke and then they're like finally come up with something and I'm like not that pick something else like you know just like really um yeah letting like self-consciousness um gobble up I don't know that's just like not trusting the unknown you know like ultimately um yeah so yeah I mean it's terrible for relationship and it's a terrible way to live your life like so I don't know I really I, I try I'm really trying to just like resist that urge to you know try yeah try to be in control of what I represent to people or even to be obsessed with the idea that I'm representing something at all, you know? Um, and yeah. And, and, and also just this like constantly requesting feedback so that you can like further edit yourself and edit the like public statement and whatever. I just feel like back to the gluttony point that I was making, like it, it ultimately is just extremely indulgent and, and it hits and it bites you in the ass too, because it like zaps the potential for there even to be a, cool effect whatever the effect is you know and so because like sexiness is an abstraction right or or not even sexiness but just like the way you feel about someone is abstract and when there's this demand to like you know codify it in some way no matter what it is it 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 does feel less than the the ultimate effect and um point of all that I feel like Emily Ratajkowski is a great example of something that um it's a good lesson in that way because if you look to her and say like oh this is really like irritating how much she's obsessed with contextualizing herself and and then one step further from that see how obsession with context like undermines both her beauty and her intelligence like I think that that's good to be like oh I don't want to I don't want to be showing up like that, (laughs) you know, like, right. So like to go back to last week when I was talking about like this, like lack of self-awareness that Addison had, I feel like, like Emily Ratajkowski is like on the other side of the spectrum towards self-awareness. She is intensely, intensely preoccupied with how she comes across. Um, And yeah, and I don't really feel like I have a hang up around like whether or not celebrities are like quote unquote authentic. But I do think that, this level of self-awareness that Emrata has like just makes everything she does feel fake and not fake in like distrustworthy way but just like um it just doesn't feel sensual despite the fact that she's like the hottest person I've ever seen in my life um yeah I don't know I mean I was saying that about her body before like just she feels cyborgian even though even though she says she hasn't gotten any plastic surgery and I don't know I get a lot of I get a lot of plastic surgeon TikToks breaking down the truth behind and it seems like the word on the street is that her body is in fact natural but um but yeah there's just somehow she doesn't feel sensual do you I don't know like yeah it's it is weird there's just and I don't know if that's like her personality leaking into her body or if that's just like I could, yeah I'm not sure like if she had a different vibe if she hadn't written a book called my body maybe I could just focus on her body <laughs> it's like, sounds so psycho um anyways so let's see 
What else? Okay, but the most nutso town thing to come out of my body being published was um, this essay that Andrea Longchu wrote in New York Times Magazine. Um, that's yeah, so it's kind of like review, profile, personal essay. It's called the Emily Ratajkowski you'll never see. Um, it's like a very generous read of the book i mean and of emily as a character i guess um or it's like a very generous read of the subtext of the book and it kind of makes that subtext text she says um throughout the book radikowski is hoping to set the record straight she is neither victim nor stooge neither cynical collaborator in the male agenda as her critics have argued nor some pop feminist empoweree as she herself once supposed today she's just a girl standing in front of 28 million instagram followers asking them to take her seriously okay well the last sentence ignore but you know like andrew long is trying to um help emily out and be like okay she is resisting all of these kind of like easy buckets you know like she you know she, there's some nuance to what she's trying to figure out about herself whatever um but mostly just the the setup of this piece is so weird because so they basically like alc and um and emily like basically like, make this plan that they're gonna like to kind of i don't even know what to kind of like make material these metaphors that emily's grappling with about like image ownership and like self-perception and self-image and whatever um so they make this plan that they're going to take polaroid pictures of each other and then um burn them so no one else ever gets to see which and then but then at the end they do it and then they decide like actually we're not going to burn them we're just going to like trust each other to like never show anyone so i don't know whose idea that all that framework was but it was weird but um um i'm not so sure and then there's this really weird photo in the piece which this you don't even need to read the piece but i do encourage you to look up this photo it's like they're at like a diner or something ostensibly where they did the interview and and they're sitting in a booth across from each other and the photo's like over emily radikowski's shoulder so you see just like one side of her face and then it's on alc but i don't know why they included it i've literally sent it to so many people and asked why was this included i don't even have a take i just i just have the perennial why um yeah but anyways i was honestly so anxious after this essay came out because i was like bracing myself every day to wake up to like an m rada x andrew long Chu parade photo shoot and i was just like like that is the day where i end it all like i'm just like i cannot see this like when those three items of culture converge, it's just like, I don't, yeah, that's, that's going to put me into overdrive. Um, anyways, uh, I mean, it didn't happen. Um, okay. So I wanted to share some of my favorite Emrata moments, actually. Um, the first is just when I saw her in real life, I was so excited. This was like, uh, this was long, maybe 2017 at Squirrel in, in LA. And, um, yeah, I was sitting having coffee with a friend and then, uh, I saw like this girl from the back and she was wearing like a t-shirt, but that had like, um, had printing like it was a jersey and it said emrata on the back and i was like oh my god i didn't know that emrata had merch i want some and then turned around and it was her and i was like oh it's like emrata in emrata merch it's like love to see um that's just a favorite moment because it actually happened to me it wasn't just me looking for something um okay but then my favorite favorite is um in french marie claire in 2018 um this interview that was kind of like jointly 
done with Thomas Chatterton Williams and his wife. Although I think that they're, I think that they're getting a divorce now. I don't know if I'm just making that up. Okay. I don't know. But, um, uh, yeah. And I mean, the, the interview is really like stupid and makes all parties look really bad, but there's this one line where, um, uh, I forget, like Thomas basically asked like, Oh, like, uh, you know, you must have like always been, like gotten a lot of attention for your beauty or something and then she was like she was like oh yeah like I was popular but like the funny thing is at my high school I wasn't popular because I was beautiful I was popular because I listened to Joy Division um so yeah actually um yeah I like found it on eBay and bought it for myself so I do own I don't read French but like I just I was like I need to own this quote for the rest of my life like um uh, so yeah two of my faves Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Emrata's pregnancy and motherhood vibes, just cause, um, just more fertile ground for my insatiable analytic mind. <laughs> well, one thing when she was pregnant, I remember like, I was like not infrequently getting DMs from people sending me her photos and being like, oh, like, oh, isn't it so annoying? And we'd be like, yeah, like, stop arching your back in your pregnancy photos. Like, give it up or whatever. <laughs> like, um, and it was, yeah, just funny to have, like, such, like, so many people with the same, like, instinctual, like, rage about it, you know? Because we're all, you know, like, if when we break it down, it's like, okay, intellectually, we know that we are beyond, like, condemning mothers who continue to sexualize themselves but there's just like something about her that it just like really induces this this rage right like it's just like I hate it like um yeah and I guess yeah to borrow the like the only reason you dislike someone is because you're threatened by them I think it, yeah it's just like can you please just for just for the nine months where you're fucking pregnant can you just like not be so hot like <laughs> it's like nope but whatever she's got to use her gifts um and then okay and then I remember oh and her baby is so cute by the way like if you've seen him it's just like it is like really such a gorgeous child I'm like I really hurt him um and then I remember there was this plot point last summer that I feel like almost got kind of newsy of like her um holding her baby like extremely poorly like it looks like she's barely holding on to him and he's kind of like his head is like like cocked down hanging off to the side and like it just looks bad and um I remember yeah and then people were like ah, she's not like she's unfit for motherhood um and I had that like exact same instinct I was like wow why am I getting like angry mob vibe I was like mad about that and like yeah I mean she didn't address I mean obviously what's she gonna address um anyways but uh yeah I will say that given the option I prefer like insofar as celebrities or just people are going to use their child as like a prop I do respect the child thirst trap more than the child as political pawn um like for sure um I would rather have like a you know like breastfeeding as an opportunity to post topless than like a baby at a protest for climate change do you know what I mean like I don't know it's just like leave him at home he's a baby like why is he there yeah I remember my parents took me to an Iraq war protest um and I was not a baby I was probably in like well let's see what 
I was probably in like second or third grade and um, we stayed for like 10 minutes and then my dad made us leave and I was just like why did you leave you like made us come down here and then you immediately left and I remember clear as day he said I don't want you guys to have to see all these aging hippies and I just like (laughs) that like I just I remember that so often and I'm like 100% I completely I fully agree with him like keep your children away from that like there's no need for them there. So anyways, I don't, I actually haven't checked. I'm sure Emily Ratajkowski was like out these past weeks. Let me check right now. Let me see if there's any child protest photos readily available for me. Oh my God. Okay. You know what? There is May 3rd. Darn. Okay. Well, you know what? In general, I think she still got the balance right. I think she posts more bikini photos with baby than protest photos. So just try to keep it up and to the right on that front um okay um you know in in preparing for this episode I was trying to think about like what milieu Emily Ratajkowski represents um or even like belongs to and you know I actually think it's really hard to say like she doesn't really evoke any specific time or place or like subculture or vibe and and, and not just in the way of like she doesn't have any like kind of one-to-one peers but I actually don't but it wasn't immediately clear to me what kind of like era she would like come to define um I think if anything, what I came to is kind of like hot girl reclamation vibe. Like, um, so at the broadest sense, just like, um, yeah, girls on Instagram speaking their truth or like making a public declaration of love for their body or, um, allegiance to a cause. Um, but it's always with the kind of like, uh, with the specter of hotness, right? Like it's, um, it's really marrying like, uh, it's it, it's not even really like beauty and smarts. It is more just like hotness and causes. I feel like like um, I don't. I, I does that make? I, I don't know if that's like the exact right distinction. But I feel like yeah, it is. Whatever. So I think that yeah. Anyways, hot girl reclamation is kind of the way that I was thinking about it. And you know, one thing that's interesting about Emily Ratajkowski is like she's always kind of trying to be in the know about like smaller scenes right like she has this kind of like obsession with being like a downtown girl and I mean like a ton of celebrities like have properties and know how but Emily really wants to be like an on-the-ground downtown girl like when she was sending like Anna Red Scare Anna baby gifts I was just like wait what like I don't know something about that is just weird to me she's kind of just like she like the I don't know. I think, I don't know how I'm going to put it. It's just, I'm, it's interesting to see, it's interesting to like speculate about whose approval she's looking for. You know what I mean? Like where she's just like, oh, where she's getting signals of like what is cool and what in who she wants to kind of like cater to or align herself with. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Not that you can't like make friends outside your tier of fame, but I'm just like, wait, who is she? What? Who, like, who is she so desperate to relate to? You know what I mean? Like, um, just feels kind of weird. But um, sorry, that was just an aside. But anyways, back to the like hot girl reclamation thing. Like, I think the most 
potent iteration of this is kind of like the hot girls for Bernie era of like, I don't know, like, I don't like 2019. Um, I think, yeah, I think by now we've like all established that hot girl voting Instagram vibe has had some seriously negative downstream effects on culture. But um, I don't know, it is interesting to kind of just like trace the evolution of like, um, like voting in kind of like pop culture messaging, even just actually, I had meant to bring this up in the Audrey Gelman episode, um, cause she was like on the team doing a lot of the, like rock the vote vibe, but she has this, um, she has this post actually, hold on. I know I have a screenshot. Um, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this was on, um, this is posted October 7, 2014. Um, and it's like a screenshot of like an article that appeared on world star. And it, the, um, the headline is Lil John's turned down for what becomes a voting anthem. Um, and then Audrey's caption is my work here is done. Um, so it's just like, uh, anyways. Okay. And then compared that with Emrata posting January 9, 2020, um, just kind of like blank, um, out with the DSLs to end all DSLs um, in a shirt that says college for all, Medicare for all, jobs for all, justice for all. And the caption is just, um, just at Bernie Sanders. Okay. So like six years apart, two different approaches. Um, but you know, something about, something about the Emrata Bernie endorsement somehow feels like more ironized and like less sincere than Audrey. Like, I don't know if it's just like current distance to that moment in time, but I don't know. I feel like, you know, every part of M, every part of Emily's post, like the straightforward language, the stripped down, like look like the, you know, context list caption should feel more sincere than <laughs> turned down for what <laughs> becoming a quote unquote voting anthem. But it just doesn't, I don't know. Like, I think that there's like, there's kind of like a pompousness and a silliness to Audrey's that like, I don't know, maybe it just feels more like winning energy. Um, like, okay, like if we look at the like, <laughs> I can't even believe that I'm even like trying to break this down. But like, <laughs> there's something about like, just like, just the, the maximalism of turned down for what as a voting anthem and trying to get that placed on world star <laughs> like the obviousness of that strategy is just like somehow more benign you know where it's like i don't know the the like attempts to conceal the strategy whether like for bernie's campaign or for emily radikowski's personal pr is like it just makes it less trustworthy or something i'm not sure um like it's it's too solemn in a way that feels like unearned um anyways um yeah i don't know but yeah so um i think that the way that emrata started positioning herself um um you know as a political thinker um is um, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously related to the larger project of like proving her intelligence. Um, but I don't know, I don't know if that's actually like 
made people think more highly of her. I'm not sure because I, I still don't think people really like take her as an authority on anything she says. It's just, yeah, right. Like because she's not like so articulate that she's bringing a fresh perspective to any issue that she's talking about. But she is righteous enough that like it. Um, I don't I don't think that I don't think she's like executing well on the tone of when she tries to get political, I guess is what I'm saying. And that's a really hard thing to do. So I don't know. But yeah, it kind of can just feel a little like grandstandy and like, yeah, kind of back to the like unearned gravity of things. Not that the issues themselves have unearned gravity, but like her participation in them, it's not always, it doesn't always feel like platform native, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I mean, all that stuff's super tricky, but um you know, even when she's not putting like a stance to words, I do think that she's like looking for ways to signal, um, like progressivism isn't really quite the word, but like, um, well, I'll just give an example. Okay. So like, um, a couple months ago, it was like her wedding anniversary, I guess. And unfortunately all of this content was on her story, not on not on grid so you're just gonna have to take my word for it but um basically she was posting all of these you know all of these pictures from her wedding and she got married like at city hall um and she was wearing a black hat and i don't know why she was wearing a black hat um you know just it just felt to me like another instance of her trying to kind of like subvert expectation and be like oh even though though i'm the most like like obviously desired woman in the world i'm still like doing something a little bit different you know and it's it, it, go, it feels beyond just like an attempt to individuate which we all want to do but just like I don't know I, I don't know what it I don't know what it is I don't I don't know what she's trying to signal but I, I'm not into it um I cannot overstate the importance of not getting married in a black hat anyways so I had sent this story to my friend Michaela and then she smartly pointed out that Emily was also wearing like a Zara like suit that just like fit badly and you know obviously she could have had a beautiful wedding outfit bought or gifted to her or whatever that actually just like fits well you know you you know these, these kind of like attempts to appear relatable um are kind of just like flopping and she was just what she said was like okay just this is not the time for a personal branding moment where we're pretending that Emily Ratajkowski is a Marxist or whatever um so yeah it's kind of just one of those things where it's like these efforts on her part to like signpost affects like end up just kind of like shooting her in the foot and like end up just appearing like I don't know I guess it just it does feel related to what I was saying about over narration that ultimately just like detracts from your effect you know and then and then secondly relates to the gluttony that I was talking about of just like um like Emily Ratajkowski the most beautiful woman in the world like isn't that enough you know and I think that there's you know we haven't really gotten to a place where we can you know take beauty seriously right like um we have to spoof it or make it campy or make it ironic or just like add a bunch of context to it in some way and you know I was thinking when her when her book came out I was like I actually think a more dignified way for Emrata to ask us to take her seriously would be not to shoehorn herself into intellectualism, but to make the weight of her beauty clear. 
you know, and I think that that would be so brave and so intense and like has the possibility to actually be like so much more just like to actually like grapple in a real way with these really difficult like with these really difficult truths um like I I actually think it's patronizing of her to be like I'm going to make my experience like anyone can relate to my experience of being the most beautiful woman in the world it's like no we can't I guess just more what I was thinking about was like um, we're not really able to just like take beauty soberly kind of Um, like we either end up undercutting our own beauty to appear relatable or inflating our own beauty to appear more confident. Um, But yeah, I guess I'm just like wondering what it would look like to take beauty like um, at face value. And this is obviously like a question that a lot of people have asked and, and, you know, to her credit when, um, in that Andrew Long Chu essay that I was talking about earlier, she does kind of like at least point out this kind of like blind spot. She says, um, for what is wrong with wanting to be beautiful pop feminism for its part is so preoccupied with criticizing what we wrotely call quote conventional beauty standards that it has surprisingly little to say about beauty um so i think that like at least there's that kind of call out of like um like i said this this kind of blind spot where it's kind of just like too painful to too bound up in like um just like really like yeah deep deep personal insecurities um to be brought forward but I guess like or at least I'm not receiving a lot of voices that are um kind of engaging with the concept of beauty let alone their own in a way that feels like um courageous I guess um I feel like there's a lot of just kind of like defaulting on like I said either kind of like you know templated insecurities or templated um like machismo kind of um the month that emily's book came out i happened to be reading um for my book club this story by edith wharton called the looking glass it's from 1935 and it's it's one of her ghost stories um uh, I'm not going to get into the full plot, but part of it, part of it is this woman who's this old woman who's recounting her past. And, um, yeah, I guess like a lot, the, the themes in it are kind of just like coming to terms with vanity, figuring out what weight to assign vanity in your own life or how harshly you should like judge others. Um, and I feel like, uh, just cause all of these ideas were really fresh in my mind. Cause I was, had read Emily's book and was thinking about her a lot. Um, this passage, which I'm about to read really struck me because I think it was just kind of the most like candid acknowledgement of um of like the the weight that one's perception of their own beauty has um in anyways whatever I'll just read it to you um so she's saying she she's talking to uh, to another woman and she says why we don't either of us know anything about what a beautiful woman suffers when she loses her beauty for you and me and thousands like us beginning to grow old is like going from a bright room to a one a little less warm and bright and then she says but for the supremely beautiful it's like being pushed out of an illuminated ballroom all flowers and chandeliers into the winter night and the snow 
And I, I, yeah, I just love that image so much, first of all, of being, of someone being thrown out of a warm ballroom into the snow in the night, um, and, you know, just kind of like discarded, um, is really powerful. And then, um, I think the, to be able to confidently delineate, um, beauty, which is something that has become so not allowed, right? We're really in a moment of like, everything is beautiful. Everything is equally beautiful. It's all just different. And I think to see, obviously this is like a fictional story, which, so it's much more easy. It's much easier to just like let a character gesture toward this thing than to, you know, write a logic driven personal essay slash argument. (laughs) There's an instinctual response um, to extreme beauty. Um, maybe it become maybe it's a little bit less anxiety inducing to think about <laughs> if we just like talk about if it's just like in nature or something, right? Like, you know, when you see something that to you is like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life, you know, like, um, whether that's like a beach or a mountain or a tree or a flower or whatever. And then there are things that are like still moving, but less so. And I think that like, we know that about people too, right? Like we know who we are attracted to and we know what level of beauty like garners more social power. And I just think that like to collapse all of that into Emily Ratajkowski can, that I can relate to Emily Ratajkowski is like psychotic to me. I just, I don't know why we're in a place where we are, there's so much like fear and threat in beauty that we can't like, just like acknowledge the truth of the power that it holds. Um, and like trust people enough to like not have to handhold them through beauty takes a lot of different forms. Beauty means different things to different people. Like, yes, we all know that, but like, why are we, why are we having to come so far away from just like the, the gut instinct, the gut knowledge of what is beautiful. So I don't know. I, I think, I don't know what I'm like asking for from Emily Ratajkowski like if there's some final like conceit that would null kind of the frustrations of this type of person um I don't know I will say of late you know I think she's been great once she got through the PR cycle of her book and she like I don't she's not doing anything that's like really irritating me anymore Um, I don't know why she did the like Arabian Nights vibe for the Met Gala, but at the, at the last fall one, I thought she looked beautiful, not red dress. Um, like I said, I love her baby. I like want to babysit it. Okay. Well, she'll never let me babysit if she listens to this episode, but, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? (laughs) So stupid. 
Oh, one thing also though, like I can't really think of like the type of girl that Emily Ratajkowski is. The closest I've got was when she said that Joy Division thing. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can think of girls in my high school that were just like obviously just hot, but then they always had to be like, oh no, it's just because I like do, just because I have like some like niche knowledge, whether that's like about weird movies or like marine biology or like you know what I mean there's all these girls that's just like they just like adopt some random like I was gonna say fake but it often is I do believe to be true like they just have some random knowledge base and then it's just like it you know I mean it probably just like makes their life easier because then they can kind of just you know avoid the knowledge that they're liked because they're or avoid the accusations from other people that people just like them because they're hot and then just be like, no, it's just because I'm interesting. But I don't know. I definitely felt that way when I was young. No, not about myself. <laughs> I was I was not in this camp. Um, I mean, I definitely, no, like I can understand, like I, I understood pressure to be interesting or smart as well as hot, but I feel like, I don't know. I'm like, I feel like if I was, I guess my advice to hot people is just like, take the win. You know what I mean? Just run with that as far as you can. Like, don't, don't slow yourself down because you're self-conscious that you also need to come off as hot. I mean, also need to come off as smart. I'm not sure. We're getting a little off top, off topic that is. Um, but I don't know if I have more to say. Well, anyways, thanks for listening, guys. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not in the mood to play the Madonna song today. It's just the heat. It's just putting me in a different place. I think I'm going to play this, um, I think I have to play All Through the Night by Cindy Lauper because this song has been stuck in my head for two weeks straight it was it was like uh it's so random it's actually this this girl from my high school had like dm'd me one night and she was she like was in a choir growing up and i saw her perform this song and um so like whatever she was already in my mind and then anyways it's been stuck in my head for two weeks i've tried everything i have like listened to it probably over a hundred times tried to get it out i've sung to it i've sent it to people i don't know what to do so i think i just gotta play it right now and then um you know, hopefully set her free. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time.